الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي بنعمته تتم الصالحات وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وهادينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا يضل أبدا ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا يهدى أبدا اللهم اهدنا صراطا مستقيما أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters We are approaching in this society, in this month A couple of holidays Supposed to be holy days Observant observed by those who belong to the Jewish and the Christian faiths. One of them is Hanukkah and the other one is Christmas. Those words being as a very condensed introduction, we refer ourselves to Allah's guidance as you may know Surah Al-Kahf is in at the center of the Quran and Surah Al-Kahf and maybe we will try to designate a major part part of a future khutbah to the significance of Surah Al-Kahf but Surah Al-Kahf is preceded by Surah Al-Isra and followed by Surah Maryam another name for Surah Al-Isra which has not survived in our public usage is Surah Bani Israel the, the Surah of the children of Israel Notice that these two Surahs Surah Bani Israel comes before Surah Al-Kahf And Surah Maryam 
comes after Surah Al-Kahf. And Surah Al-Kahf is located in the middle of the Qur'an. These two surahs, the one that comes before Surah Al-Kahf and the one that comes after Surah Al-Kahf, have to do with these two faith communities of Al-Yahud and Al-Nasara. Now imagine if we just use the word Surah Bani Israel instead of Surah Al-Isra, it would give more relevance to Surah Al-Kahf, Surah Bani Israel, and then Surah Maryam, and in the middle there is Surah Al-Kahf. Surah Al-Kahf, without going into the many, many deep and extensive meanings of it, is a surah that dwells on the issue of the depth of our existence. Not our physical existence, per se, but our spiritual and our conscious existence. And as we know in today's world, as events are moving in an unfortunate and regrettable confrontational mode because of Zionism and imperialism, we should be much aware of what is required of us within the current conditions of the world. Now, out of Surat Bani Israel, we can detect the meanings of Zionism. Out of Surat Maryam, we have an outgrowth of imperialism. Not from the surahs themselves, but from those who claim the history of these surahs, meaning those who belong to the Jewish faith and those who belong to the Christian faith. Let's consider for a couple of minutes or so Surat Maryam. Maryam is the only name in the Quran of a woman. Other women are mentioned in the Qur'an, but they're not mentioned by name. There is Imra'atu Fir'aun, Imra'atu Lut, Imra'atu Imran, etc. But none of them are mentioned by name. It is only Maryam who is mentioned by name. Surah Maryam is the 19th surah of the Qur'an. 
Bani Israel Surah 17, Al-Kahf 18, Maryam 19. That's in the arrangement of the surahs of the Quran. In the chronological arrangement of revelation, Surah Maryam is the 44th surah of the Quran. There is a very important feature or reference in Surah Maryam and also in Surah Ali Imran. And that feature has to do with our, with a person's siyam, rather with a person's sawm. Zakariyah, who is in the uh, general sense of the word, a relative of Maryam, Prophet Zechariah, didn't have any children. The ayah says to him, when, when Zechariah says, Qala Rabbi ja'alli ayah. Zechariah said, my sustainer, designate an ayah. A demonstration of your power and authority for me. What was Allah's response to him? He said to him, My demonstration of power and authority to you is that you should not speak to people for three days except by gesticulation. Just use your hand, you don't, you don't, you don't pronounce any words. And be, be ever be intensely conscious of your sustainer and exalt and extol him at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. This was Allah's manifestation of his power and authority to Zechariah. After which, Zechariah was privileged by Allah to have a son, Yahya. Of course, we read these ayat, but there's no internal depth to them in ourselves what what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to us here is that there is a potential in you he, of course he, in here he's speaking to Zakaria 
but by extension he's speaking to we what is called human beings the Quranic word for it is social beings he's speaking to we social beings the capacity and the energy that's inside of us and this is an area that we have not subjected to research what type of energy is generated when we don't communicate with people we don't speak to them and in this dosage that time period in which Zechariah is not to speak to anyone was three consecutive days how how what happened here no research has been done Muslims who are experts in the medical and scientific field are alien from the Quran and Muslims who have some knowledge of the Quran are alien from the scientific and research activities so in this schism that exists no one has discovered the potential that is in our human nature that can generate Allah's power and authority in our lives another ayah in surah this was in surah ali amran in surah maryam there's a corresponding ayah that says the same beginning as the one the verse that was just read قَالَ آيَتُكَ أَلَّا تُكَلِّمَ النَّاسَ ثَلَاثَ لَيَالٍ سَوِيَّةٍ Basically the same meaning, instead of saying three days, here it says three consecutive nights. And then the rest of the ayah goes on and says فَخَرَجَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ مِنَ الْمِحْرَابِ فَأَوْحَىٰ إِلَيْهِمْ أَنْ سَبِّحُوا بُكْرَةً وَعَشِيَّةً This observance of silence, no communication, is accompanied by a a heightened consciousness of Allah and praising him as much as is humanly possible out of this condition we have Allah's energy in us for those of you who are observant of Yawm Al-Quds the last Friday in Ramadan if you can take that observance and place it in the context of what we are speaking about right now to realize that we are tapping on our God-given potential to do what seems to be impossible in this family condition what seemed to be impossible was to have a child 
And Maryam herself had to observe this to have Isa. And when we have a task in front of us, and that is facing off against a superpower, how can we do that if we are not reinforced with Allah's power and authority? Okay, so this is one layer of understanding. Let's go back to a elementary level. I'm gonna I'm gonna try as much as possible not to use a certain word or two because if I use them it might spoil my explanation. During the time of Allah's Prophet when he was educating and developing finessing and polishing human nature people around him were selfless they preferred others to their own selves and this is demonstrated in the ayat of the Quran pertaining to the Muhajireen and Al-Ansar and Al-Sabiqeen and Al-Badriyeen and Al-Rudwaniyeen these are people who are selfless there's two words in the Arabic language there's Athara and there's Ithar Athara is when you are selfish Ithar is when you pre- Athara is when you prefer yourself to others Ithar is when you prefer others to yourself This was a permanent feature in, the, in that generation of people who divorced the world But what happened in the years after that some people began to go into the world and then it was changed instead of someone preferring others to himself he began to prefer himself to others there was a there was a change that was happening and some conscientious committed muslims realized that there's been a transformation in the wrong direction so they began to try to reverse this and what comes with this materialistic attachment to the world are certain feelings inside of us some people begin to feel jealous some people begin to feel envious some people begin to hate in the wrong positions more or less what happens is 
we begin to have an accumulative effect of all of this that is that is centered around asabiya that's how it culminates so a movement began in the second century after the prophet to go back to those original depths of purity in the human soul and it was given a name it has a name and i'm trying to avoid that so that the word doesn't interfere with the explanation There's an ayah in Surah Al-An'am that says وَذَرُوا ظَاهِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَبَاطِنَهُ Allah is saying to us Part with Leave alone manifested sin and implied sin sin that is obvious and sin that is concealed batin al-ithm is inside of us you think about things that are wrong you feel about things that are wrong that is the internal sin inside of you and this is an area that when people begin i mean because i'm trying to avoid that certain word when a person and there are phony people in this area just like there are phony fuqaha and phony ideologues and phony philosophers there's so also phonies in this area that i'm speaking about those who want to regenerate the potential of allah's presence in us even wording it like this to some brainwashed muslims they think what is he what is he trying to say and they think this is a form of blasphemy or a form of kufr it has nothing to do with that at all so in one of the assaults on this behavior this almost absent islamic public behavior they say that you know these types of muslims they have gone in the wrong direction that's the best type of or that's the mildest criticism of this behavioral rejuvenation And they begin to mix the purity of Islamic rejuvenation with other attempts at spiritual rejuvenation 
in other cultures and in other religions of the world. Okay, mix them. What can what they may have in common is they find that inside of them they are spiritually starving. And they want to feed their hearts and their souls. Okay, that's common. Many societies in the world, people feel that. But how do we go about doing this? The method that we go about doing it is different. So, these who don't belong in the Islamic, Quranic, prophetic guidance, they they say serious things like God is present in everything Allah created everything but when you come when you come and say something like God is in everything that's a type of deviation that gets confused with the observance of Allah's power and authority in everything. There are two different things. But because we haven't trained our minds on this issue, anyone can come along and generalize. Let's take, I mean, there are towering personalities, towering figures in our past who have succeeded in rejuvenating the potential of Allah's energy inside of us. One such person and also I'm not going to mention the name. Not that I don't know the name, not that I am trying to mislead anyone. No, I'm just trying to, as much as possible, make it easier for you to understand what I'm saying without falling into the stereotypes and the misinformation concerning a particular name when it is when that name is mentioned. So one of these persons who worked very well on developing himself comes from an area in today's geography, it is northern Iran. And he, uh, and northern Iran at that time is not what Iran is today in as far as school of thought, in as far as the the particulars that we can compare then and now. So he went to Baghdad. Baghdad was the center of knowledge and intellect and scholarship and research and all of this. At that time, this is in the fifth Hijri century meaning 400 plus years Hijri. 
he left home, he left his family and his mother advised him saying something like this my son I advise you of everything you do in life never lie never lie on his she gave him I think it was 40 dinars if I can remember the number correctly 40 dinars dinars are golden coins dirhams are silver coins dinars are golden coins that's a big that's a considerable amount of money during that time so he was on his way to Baghdad and the caravan or the company that he was in was attacked by thieves and these thieves were stealing whatever people had of value so he came to him he had hidden his golden dinars in his let's say undergarments they couldn't find anything so they asked him do you have anything worth anything and he remembered what his mother told him never lie he said yes I have so what do you have they, the, the thieves asked him what do you have he said I have 40 dinars where are they he produced he gave he, he said, this, these are the 40 dinars that I have that's all he had in life these thieves went to their boss the master thief he said this look at this person this is unusual we asked him do you have anything he said yes and he, he presented these 40 dinars so this chief thief came to the young boy I guess he was around 20 or so years old and he asked him what is it with you how I mean we are robbing but we never found anyone who volunteered to give us information of what we want to rob from them and he said very plainly transparently honestly I don't lie that you asked me a question they asked me a question and I answered I don't lie that event caused the master thief and the other some of the other thieves to become the Muslims that they are supposed to be we don't know how this purity of heart resonates in the world this person goes on to Baghdad he settles in Baghdad and he probably was one of the poorest individuals in Baghdad in today's language he used to eat the leftovers that were thrown sometimes on the banks of the river in Baghdad dirt poor 
as far as the body is concerned if you're looking at the physical body nothing he had nothing except his clothes on on him but inside of him where Allah's potential is he was very rich he began attending the classes of the ulama in Baghdad After years of attending these classes, he became the brightest alim in Baghdad. He used to be involved in 13 disciplines. What do I mean by this? Like 13 different courses. Fiqh, Tafsir, Nahu, Bayan, Tariq, etc. 13 of them, and he was at the top of all of them. And when he used to give a presentation, a major presentation, 70,000 students and scholars would attend his presentation. And his legacy lived on he is still honored by those who know who he was and as you may have realized i still haven't mentioned his name and there's not one person like him there are many persons like him except the history that is written by those who have material power and who have worldly wealth the history that's written by them does not honor individuals and people like this. You don't know about them. You don't read about them. They're not in history books. They are not in the syllabi, in the school systems, and in the educational programs. Nothing. Nothing is to be said about them. These are the types of individuals that we need in our communities, in our masajid, in our assemblies and conferences, etc. But the question is, do we read when we read what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is communicating to us do we read in what he is saying to us in the real world and what he is saying to us does it penetrate deep down inside our mental selves and our emotional selves or is it just surface reading we just read, that's all. We make voices, we make sounds. And that's as far as it gets. Nothing penetrates. Nothing makes a breakthrough into the core of us. This is what we need, and we need it desperately. To rejuvenate not only our personal selves but also to bring back an ummah 
that had this necessary fuel in its heart and in its soul. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed brothers and sisters أيها المؤمنون والمؤمنات The type of information in this second khutbah that is going to be presented if we think about the meanings of the first khutbah I will try because of the limitations of time and the range of issues here I will try to interject and tell you, you see, this is what happens when we don't have that divine depth in us. Just artificial and superficial in our Islamic identity. That's all we are, frankly speaking. You know, a war has been launched against a people in a country who were minding their own business, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, a regime in the Arabian Peninsula over four and a half years ago decided that they are going to attack and declare a war against these people. What type, you see where I'm interjecting right here with the meanings of the first khutbah, what type of conscience, what type of psychology, what type of mentality, is it Islamic? Is it Imanic? Is it Quranic? Is it prophetic? that declares war against basically an unarmed people, the poorest people in the Arabian Peninsula. They need what they have criminalized. The first khutbah was speaking about about people who the Arabian regime in Riyadh and in Jeddah considers to be heathens or apostates or kafirs etc etc and what has happened these poor people in Yemen 
for four and a half years overwhelmed with the material aspect of the world withstood their grounds because of the latent potential that is in them. And in the past week, they brought down an Apache helicopter, they brought down drones, and they caused casualties against those who are Al-Fi'a Al-Baghiya. Those who launch the aggression are called Al-Fi'a Al-Baghiya in Islamic terminology. What type of internal value do these rulers in Arabia have when they jump from one extreme to the other extreme? In the past 40 years, they were educating, financing, supervising, offering all support to crazies in their fanaticism. Now, that was one extreme. Now they jump to another extreme in which they are supporting in many, many ways what is called the entertainment industry. Part of that program, there's no doubt in my mind that they didn't think it out there in Arabia it was thought out in Zionist imperialist quarters. What they are doing now, they are sending women preachers to the masajid in Riyadh to speak to the people and unbrainwash them concerning issues of extremism and terrorism. See, what, what's going to happen to a society like this? You ask yourself, and a society like that, does it have what we were speaking about in the first khutbah? Does it have that divine depth in it? And they are launching a new satellite TV station, the Saudi Royals, are launching a new satellite TV station from Dubai. And what is it called? Bloomberg East. They never fail, never fail to pique our resentment and our exposure of their true character. There are signs now that that hopefully expiring Saudi regime is in the process of releasing scores of Palestinian and Jordanian detainees. Of course, they're not doing this out of their goodwill. They are doing this because of some political considerations. They don't want trouble in their own house. This past week, one of their da'is, his name is Isam al-Uwaid, 
who teaches in one of their universities is a preacher and an imam in one of their masjids who has been detained for two and a half years finally they pass a sentence that he is going to be imprisoned for another four years do they have the islamic heart do they have the imani commitment in them that was mentioned in the first khutbah last week we told you that they rounded out about a dozen journalists and scholars and writers this week they tell us they are going to release them what is causing a stir in their social media is a Lebanese singer you know they have this entertainment industry now it's in full swing and they are inviting entertainers and singers and performers and artists from all over the place from the west and from the east from Arab countries and from Islamic countries inviting them come let us laugh let us have fun and all of this this is in the land of the Prophet of Iman of the depth of the human soul and this is what are they what they are doing to it so this lady comes a Christian Lebanese singer Maya Diab is her name for those of you who are curious <laughs> Alhamdulillah this khutbah in this second portion of the Jumu'ah khutbah we can mention these names because it's not going to lead you into alleys of misinformation so the other entertainers with her were reading Al-Fatiha she was reading Al-Fatiha with them. And then after she read the Fatiha, she said a little Christian prayer. Nothing wrong with Christian prayers, nothing wrong with Jewish prayers, nothing wrong with Islamic prayers. What is wrong here is the policies that are being pursued by this degenerate class of rulers in Arabia. And then we have the Emir of Mecca from the royal family, the ruler of Mecca. He begins to point fingers at, there's a, um, a class of ulama in Arabia called Ulama al-Sahwa the scholars of the revival so he is pointing at them said these are the types of people that has caused this country to go backwards for the past 40 years where were you in the past 40 years weren't you participating in that if that is the case of course we take issue with his characterization and, and with what he said but being that he said that in public, they said, you know, they wouldn't let their students participate in the national anthem of Saudi Arabia. He said their students were going to camps, training martial arts or militant types of camps. And this is what has caused the Saudi country 
to have suffered for the past four decades. And he takes pride in the crown prince, MBS, the Amir of Mecca. It's where you go for to Hajj and to Umrah. Then we have the Wall Street Journal telling us that the U.S. is thinking about sending 14,000 additional troops to the Arabian Peninsula. How would an American feel if, let's say, China or Russia or Iran or another country that is not on terms with the United States decided to send 14,000 troops to the United States? How would, you, how would anyone feel about that? Ask yourself. This is what's happening. No Muslim feels comfortable about any of this. And then we have the Israelis popping up last week vociferously and saying that there should be an Arabian Western alliance against Iran. I don't know what... extraterrestrial planet that they are living on. The United Arab Emirates who financed, supported, backed in many fields the turmoil inside of Syria in the past eight years. Right now they've reopened their embassy there and they are saying that the relationship between Syria and the United Arab Emirates is strong, it is vital, it is important, and it is progressing. And they described President Assad as a very wise president. All of this is happening while we are alive. This is not history. What do you say? When you hear, when you watch, when you realize these types of things are unfolding in front of your own eyes. Then we have one of these rappers. I'm not familiar with the world of rap at all. I'm ignorant. But this news item says there's a rapper by the name of Lil Wayne who went to Saudi Arabia to perform, obviously. Now they're welcoming rappers you want to go to Hajj and Umrah you struggle to get a visa but these types of people oh they can go their visas are given electronically they you can they can just dream about a visa and they'll have it so he says quote never going to Riyadh again he ran into some difficulties there are still some people around who are not comfortable. He's a tattooed person. I saw his picture all over him. And some people there, they still have the conservative Saudi Al-Amr bil-Ma'roof wa nahi al-Munkar mentality. And they felt uncomfortable with him, even though the official policy is welcoming him. And some reports say that he was smoking a marijuana cigarette. And they told him you can't do something like that. Anyways, his instincts were insulted over there. He doesn't want to go over there anymore. Another one of these artists in another one of these performances in Riyadh got on stage 
and began to wave the internal garments of a girl that he was given there in Saudi Arabia in front of those who are watching. This is, this is a land of the Prophet. This is the land of Islamic morality. This is what's beginning to happen. We don't know if this continues like this. Where's the end going to be? This reminds, there's one of these adages, one of these old sayings that says, there was a, and this applies to these Saudi rulers, there was a slave and a master. And the master says to his slave, if I give you a thousand dinars, or let's say in today's world, if I give you ten thousand dollars, and I let you free, what would you do? The slave answered, I take your money and go and buy another master. This is, this, exp this depicts, defines exactly these types of people who are making decisions for us. In Iraq, the past week, it was exactly last Friday that the Prime Minister tendered his resignation. What's happening in Iraq, what's happening in Lebanon, people don't want anymore the Zio-imperialist types of ruling classes over them. So to get rid of the Prime Minister in Iraq, they instigated they brought good people out into the street and bad people out into the street and if you can recall they want to get rid of this prime minister because just in the past during his tenure I think he's been in office for about less than a year now during his tenure what did he say what did he do he said that the Israelis, this was a few months ago, they were the ones who bombed a military position inside of Iraq. He signed contracts with China for billions of dollars of purchases. He opened the borders with Syria. And he refused to go by the imperialist diktat, meaning he didn't want Iraq to sign on to the American-Israeli strategy vis-a-vis -vis Islamic Iran. And then he refused to knock heads with the popular mobilization in that country. Put all of these together and you'll understand why the Zionists and the imperialists, they want to get rid of him. On a note of optimism, the Labour Party in the sick man of Europe, otherwise known as Britain, some people still call it Great Britain, in the sick man of Europe, the Labour Party Corbyn, who's running for elections, I guess their elections is in another week. He says, if they win, 
they are no longer going to sell weapons to Saudi Arabia. Now I know some of you listening to some of these remarks and statements in these khutbas, some of you, not, not maybe you necessarily here, but some of those who listen into this khutbah online or podcast or otherwise, may be a little confused that we speak about imperialists and Zionists and the neo-Umawis. And then we speak about Muslims and Christians and Jews. And it should be, maybe I can say it in a sentence, it should be made very clear that the Jews, well, let's begin with the Muslims. Because some people say, are you beginning with it? Let's begin with the Muslims. The Muslims, they have to rid themselves of the inferiority rulers who are proxies of Zionism and imperialism. These rulers that we have, they relate to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the same way that Satan relates to God. If we can't get this straight, expect more reversals and more setbacks. The same thing has to be acknowledged and affirmed by Christians. In their context, they have to wash their hands of imperialism distance themselves, assail, attack imperialism. As long as imperialism pollutes Christianity, we're still going to have this confusion. Who's a Christian and who's an imperialist? The same way in the Muslim context. Who's a Muslim and who's an Umawi? The same thing can be said about the Jews. The Jews have to stand up, make it publicly, resoundingly clear that Zionism is a plague. Zionism is a cancer. And they have to absolve themselves of anything of Zionism and anything related to it. This is what has to be done in the Islamic, in the Christian, and in the Jewish contexts. And don't, let, don't have us confused and hating each other because someone's a Muslim, another is a Christian, and a Jew. None of these should hate each other. There's nothing in their basic texts that say that that should be the case. But when we are polluted, all of us are polluted by these poisons, we have to purge our societies and our minds of these poisons to begin to act and intercommunicate and behave normally. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا 
ربنا إننا سمعنا مناديا ينادي للإيمان أن آمنوا بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم ذرية بعضها من بعض إنك أنت السميع العليم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة Allah Akbar 